that reconciles us to God. I'm thankful for the blood. Thank God for the blood that still washes white as snow, that still forgives, that still saves, that still heals, that still cleanses. Hallelujah. Let's give up some praise again to Jesus today for the blood. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. Let me make a few announcements quickly. Uh, very, very special announcement. All of our parents, if you have children between ages 4 through 12, uh, Sister Natasha would like to begin working with them uh, as a children's choir to have them be prepared for a Mother's Day presentation. And uh, starting on March the 2nd, uh, on Wednesday night at 7, uh, she will begin practice and uh, she will be sending a letter home with all of our parents ages 4 through 12. Uh, as I always announce, as I always announce, if you want your child to be a part of this, we want your child to be a part of it, but you can't wait to the last minute to make up your mind Mother's Day Sunday show up here and say I'd like for my child to sing when they haven't been in any of the practices that can't happen so uh, if you want your children to be a part of this uh, they'll be practicing mostly on Wednesday nights at 7 you'll need to have them here a little bit early uh, for Wednesday night Bible study but I promise you when Mother's Day come, comes around you'll be glad that you came and you brought them and so on so remember that if you have any questions see Sister Natasha about that and she'll give you the instruction you need pertaining to that also next saturday all of our men if you ladies would like to come we're having a work day here at the church at 8 30 you'll not want to miss that we're going to have a good lunch i'm confident we're going to have filet mignon loaded baked potatoes salad what have you the vignaires will be preparing lunch and uh, we'll we'll have a good time of fellowship thank the lord so remember work day next saturday also march the 13th two weeks from today uh Brother Toby and Sister Donna will have prepared immediately following our uh, evangelistic service a sp nice spaghetti dinner. You'll not want to miss that. It's five bucks. Most people go somewhere after church to eat anyway. You can eat right here, be in classroom one. Uh, the first 50 that gets in there gets to sit at a table in there. The rest you can either take it home. If the weather permits, we'll have room outside for you to eat as well. be a great time for fellowship make a family outing out of it and so on also on march the 13th on sunday evening we're having leadership training those of you in leadership remember that announcement thank the lord i'm excited about the future at grace thank the lord from now till jesus comes we're going to do our best uh to present the best and to be prepared for the best amen we want the, our church to be the best that it can be and so i'm excited about our future we have some great things on the calendar and you'll be hearing those things uh, in the very near future as they come around. Thank the Lord. Without any further ado, would you stand? It is our, it is our pleasure, it is our privilege uh, this morning to have some of the finest people that I've ever met. And I say that sincerely. I told several people uh, this morning that uh, in reference to uh, Brother Rick and Sister Jane Lucas being here, that they're some of the finest people you'll ever meet. Uh, committed to the teeth to the kingdom of God uh, incredible veteran missionaries to the wonderful nation of Japan you know there's a lot of places when you mention foreign missions that I think it'd be really hard 
be really difficult. But I think Japan would be kind of neat. I think that would be a neat place to go myself. Those of you that like Japanese food, it's in abundance in Japan. Did you all know that? In case you didn't know that, I thought I'd pass that on. That was profound, wasn't it? But anyway, it is just such a, they're such great people. Uh, Brother Lucas' dad uh, pastored uh, until his passing in Wooster, Ohio, preached a number of revivals for his dad. And uh, these are great people, great people. It's the kind of missionaries that I enjoy supporting because they're doing such a great job for the kingdom of God. Brother Lucas, come minister to us. Let the Lord have his way. We're so thankful you guys are here. And uh, let the Holy Ghost minister through you. Thank the Lord. God bless. Praise the Lord. Sister Lucas, if you could come very quickly. I first met Pastor and Sister Murphy through my parents when they were preaching revivals and we were overseas. They were preaching revivals in Worcester, Ohio. My mom and dad sent us tapes of their messages. And I can still remember, I think I mentioned it when I was here last time, Brother Murphy's message about a feast on a crumb. I love that message. Every time I, I, I cannot tell you just in my own personal life how many times I remember that. And uh, tremendous message and other messages that they preached during that time and a tremendous blessing they were. And then when we were back on deputation while they were in, in uh, Youngstown, Ohio, we were privileged to be with them and really learn to love them deeply. My parents loved them so much and then getting to be here And I want to thank you. The last time that we were here, uh, this church's commitment uh, toward the work of God in Japan and you're sponsoring us and joining with us, partnering for the work of God in Japan. I thank you for that. I want my wife to greet you, whatever she would feel in her heart. You can use it. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. It's a great day to know the Lord. The world is in trouble. There's so much trouble and trials and stress all around. But we know the one who makes life worth living. Praise the Lord. He is good. And I'm so thankful that we know him, that you know him. Um, It's a privilege to be here again today. Uh, The church has grown since we were here the last time. That's exciting. And I know you give the Lord the glory for that. We are um, thankful to... Uh, be missionaries to Japan. It is a great place. Um, You know, we have everything in Japan. Um, The weather is, we have four seasons. It's temperate in the wintertime, but very hot and humid in the summertime, maybe a lot like Louisiana. Um, Our electricity is on all the time. We have clean water, food in abundance. But in Japan, many people have never heard about Jesus. And um, they, um, it is not a Christian nation, but we have religious freedom there, and we can proclaim this great gospel. We're so thankful for that. Uh, We've been in Japan for 26 years, and the Lord has blessed us. uh, But we're expecting great things, just as you are expecting great things here at Grace. Um, We are so thankful for all the children that are here this morning. And um, I would like to give each of the children a Japanese coin so that you can remember the day that the Japanese missionaries came to your church. 
and um, I have them over here. We'll, maybe they'll be out in the lobby after the service is over. Each child, teenager, if all the uh, young people get them and then there's others left over, the adults can have them too. It's just a one yen coin, and one yen doesn't buy really anything in Japan, and it sure won't buy anything here. <laughs> but it is money, uh, and a lot of them put together <laughs> can buy things in Japan. But you're welcome to take one if you would like to have it. I know Brother Lucas has a message from the Lord for you today, and I don't want to take a lot of time. Um, but we honor you and we thank you for partnering with us. We thank you for your project um, support that you gave us last time we were here. We appreciate it so much. May the Lord bless you. I was so thrilled with the Sunday school presentation today. It was when I was about five years old, sitting on a, a little bench around little tiny tables in a Sunday school class. I'll never forget the elderly lady that was teaching us that day in a very small church. But she said, you don't know what God wants to do with your life, but God has a purpose and a plan for every one of your lives. And uh, she said, it may be that God would call some of you to become Sunday school teachers. Some of you may become ministers' wives, or some of you may become pastors or evangelists. She said, God might even call someone from our class to go overseas and tell people in a country where they don't know about the Lord, about him. And when she said that, I knew from that time on, I knew that's what my life would be. And when I was about 12, we had a missionary and his wife. Every time missionaries came, it gripped my heart very much. But uh, she sang, How Great Thou Art in Japanese. And while she was singing that, uh, something really broke inside of me. And I knew from then on I would be going to the country of Japan. And we're very grateful. It is a great place to minister. Uh, when we went there, we were told by many missionaries it's considered, as far as preaching the gospel, one of the most difficult places on earth. Um, it has one of the lowest percentages of Christians per population of any country on earth. Far lower than China. Far lower than uh, even most of the Arabic countries. And uh, though Christian missionaries have been in Japan for more, uh, well over 100 years, the impact of all Christian groups in Japan has been very, very tiny. Less than 1% of the population is any kind of Christian whatsoever. That includes Catholicism, all Protestant denominations, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, all of it put together. And uh, it's, But the people, I feel like they're not really against the message of Jesus Christ. Most of them have just never heard it. They have no idea. Uh, when they see a cross, they know it's a Christian symbol, but have, they've never heard of the death of Christ. They've never heard of the birth or the virgin birth. They, they never heard that, uh, that God became man. Most of them have never held a Bible in their hand or heard one thing about what is recorded in the pages of God's word. And so what a privilege to preach in such a place and see God work mightily in their lives. Would you stand together and turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 53 or 55? Thank you, brother. Isaiah chapter 55, and uh, we're going to go ahead and begin with verse 1. I had thought I would begin reading with verse 6, but we're going to begin with chapter, uh, chapter 55, verse 1. 
Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? He says, you're working so hard, but what you're working for will never, ever satisfy you. It's going to leave you empty. It's going to leave you longing. It's going to leave you hungry for something more. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Here, notice this, here, and your soul shall live. Here, and your soul shall live. Would you say that with me? Here, and your soul shall live. Turn to someone near you, and please say that to them if you don't mind. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I've given him for a witness to the people, a leader and a commander of the people. And of course, his, the key of David was praise. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that knowest not, nations that know not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. And here is where I was going to begin reading. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call you upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he'll have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he'll abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways and neither are your ways. My ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen. And we're going to stop there. Praise God. Let's pray together and ask the Lord to touch. And, and if there's someone else here today that you know, you really feel in your heart, or maybe you're aware of things in their life that you know they really need to hear from God, they need God to do something in their life, would you just pray for them? I believe God hears prayer. I believe your prayers, if they're from the heart, can make a world of difference. If you're hurting or there's a need in your life and you need God to touch you. Would you just ask him, Lord, I need your help today. Amen. If you'll just reach out from your heart, I know that he will hear your prayer. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you for each one. I thank you for these wonderful young people, Lord, their lives before them. And I know there are so many voices they hear from, from society and from friends and from those around them. And uh, from the voices of, of the media and from entertainment that pointed a road that actually can only read, lead to death and destruction. Lord, I ask today for everyone, young people, those that are middle-aged, those that are in their golden years, Lord, that you would touch our hearts. Help us to hear your voice today as you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Just look over and grin at somebody real big and then you may be seated. If you smile, if you don't smile, we're going to ask you to just keep standing all during church. <laughs> Amen. The Lord said to the Jewish people through Isaiah, he said, you're working so hard, but you're still empty because the things that you're gaining can never satisfy your soul. They can never fill the emptiness inside of you. But if you would hear what I would speak to you, it would make all the difference in the world. It would totally change your life. It would affect you in a way 
that would satisfy that emptiness inside and fill your heart with a joy that a, and a peace that's beyond anything you've ever, ever imagined you could have or that life could even hold. And those that have come to know him know that that's exactly true. It's exactly true that what he said is, is really true, that, uh, that there is a peace that comes in knowing the Lord and walking with him, that this world has nothing that can begin to compare with it. Amen. As a boy growing up, of course, I was affected like others and influenced by a lot of things. And between 15 and 17, I was back and forth and up and down and uh, influenced by a lot of the things going on in our culture at that time and by my friends. Finally, at 17, I left home, joined the Marine Corps. I didn't want nobody to tell me what to do. So I showed them. I just left home, joined the Marine Corps. <laughs> nobody going to tell me what to do. And, <laughs> and I didn't. I didn't like my dad telling me how to cut and comb my hair. Nobody going to tell me how to cut and comb my hair. I showed him. I just left home and joined the Marine Corps. <laughs> Sin is very deceptive. Amen. And uh, when I got there and they gave me my haircut and I was alone, I rubbed my head. There wasn't even a bristle left. I mean, it was smooth as a baby's cheek. I thought, what in the world have I done? But it was there that God began to speak to my heart. As I was there involved with other young people in a lot of things, I began to realize how empty the life this world has is. It makes a lot of promises, but it doesn't keep its promises. And I began to realize, I'll never forget the first time I went to Brother David Gray's church on a Sunday morning. I thought that was the safest time. My mom kept bugging me to go to church. I said, okay, I'll go once, just leave me alone. And so I went. I went on a Sunday morning, took a friend with me that had never been to a Pentecostal church. I thought that might help. But as I walked up the walk that morning and felt the Spirit of God reach out and touch my heart, it was all I could do to keep from breaking down weeping. And then during the service that morning, it was just a Bible study lesson to them. But I'll tell you, I've, I looked around and I saw people that didn't have to be high or be drunk to smile because they had something inside of them. I thought, Rick Lucas, you are the stupidest person that ever lived. You had this and you walked away from it. You threw it away. I felt like because of things I had done, God would never, never want anything to do with me or, or ever want me back or around. But when God finally got through to me that he still loved me, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe that God could still love me. But he did. I'll never forget the night that I raised my hands and the Spirit of God renewed me in his spirit. I made up my mind right then, I'm here to stay. I don't, I don't care whatever else happens in life. I'm going to live for God. Nothing else matters. I've got to walk with God. And I, I looked at these children today, and I look at each of you, and I, I understand that every person in this room will spend eternity. It's not just hyperbole. It's not just, uh, just uh, religious talk, but it is a fact. Every single person here will spend eternity either in flames of fire in horrible torment, or you will spend eternity in the presence of the Lord in that holy city. And there's no in-between place for anyone here. Amen. If you've heard the gospel, it's all or nothing. If you've ever heard the gospel, there's no getting around it. There's no other way around it. You will either. The, the Lord said, "He that you preach the gospel, and he that hears and believes it, he's, he'll... And, and is baptized will be saved, but he that believeth not. He didn't say, well, maybe he can try something else. He said, he that believeth not shall 
be damned. It means doomed. It means lost. And if we really understood what it's going to mean for a person that is lost in the flame of fire, and once they are there, it will never end. It will never, ever end. And if we understood what that really means and what that's going to mean for that individual, I think it would affect us and totally change our lives in a way so dramatically. And if we understood what it's going to mean to a person who is forgiven of their sins and washed by the blood of Christ and stands someday in that holy city in the presence of the Lord, if we understood what that's really going to mean for that individual, because we're going to go there as individuals, each of us individually are going one place or the other. And if we understood what that's going to mean to that individual to be in the presence of the Lord and to be there, Amen. It's going to be something that is beyond anything we can imagine. And uh, it would also impact and affect our lives. The Lord here in Isaiah said, Let the wicked man forsake his ways, the unrighteous man his thoughts. He said, I don't think like you do. I don't think like you. I'm going to tell you recently, this, this passage has just been, has gotten a hold of me and affected me. I just wrote a letter a, st- a study for our Japanese church and sent it to our ministers uh, on this very thought of God's thoughts and God's ways versus man's thoughts and man's ways. And this is a choice you're going to make and I'm going to make. Every single person here is going to make the choice. Am I going to go man's way and am I going to follow man's thought or am I going to hear what God's saying and am I going to go God's way and God's thoughts? You know, man's thoughts and man's ways can build a lot of stuff. They can build organizations. They can build religions. They've done it. Man by man's ability has built great cathedrals, has built great towering uh, churches and, and built huge business empires and built nations. And men by speaking ability have attracted huge crowds and moved people. And world wars have been fought because of a man's speaking ability that he can move people with certain emotions and and by man's ways there there are people who sing and play music and they move people deeply and and the people weep or the people jump and shout and rejoice and God's not in it at all. It has nothing to do with God. In fact, a lot of times it's things opposite of everything God stands for. But man by man's ways can do things. But I'm going to tell you, man by man's ways can never Build a real child of God. Man by man's ways can never transform somebody into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. They can never break the chains of sin. They can never deliver the soul and bring them into the presence of a living God in a walk and a relationship with the Lord. Man's ways can't do it. Man's ways can pat you on the back and sing some Christian songs, send you home and tell you you're okay. And they're doing it all across the world today. And yet, messages being preached that are absolutely contrary to everything Jesus said. Telling people they're okay. I, I appreciated my brother preaching this morning, teaching, teaching, preaching in the Sunday school lesson. Reaching for our hearts and our souls. You know, he was talking about what this world calls faith is not enough. Just saying you believe something is not enough. A lot of folks got a weird idea of faith. They think if I, if I just say I agree with it, that's faith. That's not scriptural. 
Faith is not believing something. Faith is believing it the way God says it. Do you know what unbelief is? It's when God says something and I don't believe it that way. When God says something and we say, I don't see it that way. When God says something and we say, I don't think that's important. When God says something and we think, we say, well, I don't think that's necessary. That's unbelief. And unbelief is sin. Amen. Oh, friend, it's, if we're going to have faith that's going to bring us to walk with God and know God, we have got to open our hearts and, and minds to hear what God would say. Because God's ways are not man's ways, and God's thoughts sure are not man's thoughts. He said, man, he said, to men, by their wisdom, they look at the ways and the thoughts of God and think that's foolishness. They think that's foolishness. Doesn't make sense to them. He said, the natural man receiveth not the things that be of God. Only the spiritual man, the man that has been transformed into Christ's likeness, he begins to see the wisdom and understanding of what God's done. But the Bible says that God's foolishness is wiser than the greatest wisdom of men. Amen. I look at when the, when the Lord uh, spoke to Noah, there had never been rain. There had never been a flood. And the Lord spoke to Noah to build this monstrous, gigantic contraption that nobody had ever built. I don't think I'd have wanted Noah for a neighbor because it sure would have hurt your property values. Who would have wanted to live next to the guy that's building that horrible, monstrous thing in his backyard or wherever he built? But you see, Noah had heard from God. It might not make sense to man, but Noah had heard from God. And Noah had enough understanding to believe what God said, even though to the natural mind it seemed foolishness. He said, God said it, I believe it, and I'm going to do it exactly like God said it. I'm not changing one thing. I'm going to do it exactly like God said it. And friend, he found out you do it the way God says it, it'll work. You try to change it and do it your own way, it's not going to get the same results. Oh, amen. Praise God. He, and, and Moses, leading the children of Israel, the Lord told Moses, I want you to go. And Moses said, I can't speak. That's funny because the Bible says that he was trained in all the wisdom of Egypt and he was mighty in words and in deeds. You see, 40 Years of following those sheep around in the desert. He felt like, I, I don't have that ability to be a public speaker now. I, I used to be able to know how to move people with words, but I'm so out of it, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Eighty years old, and the Lord said, who made your mouth? And he said, well, I don't have the ability, and God showed him different things. Finally convinced him, and he went. Stood before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Well, buddy, you're about to find out. And Moses, each incident, he didn't just say, get out his book and study all the, the latest books written on delivering people and study all of the world events and world leaders and, and uh, Sun Tzu about the art of war and all these different things and then try to concoct a battle strategy and hope God would make it work. He just went and asked God, Lord, what will we do? What do you want me to do? And the Lord would give him direction, and then he would do that. 
And it didn't always seem like it was working so well. In fact, it seemed like the more he obeyed the Lord, the worse it got. Sometimes in your life, you're doing your very best to obey the Lord and and you think immediately everything's going to go smooth and sometimes it seems like the more you try to obey the Lord, the more all the enemy forces of hell are arrayed against you and attacks come and and, and all these things and you think, why is it like this? If I'm real, here I am trying to do the will of God. You just stay with it. Stay with it. It'll prove it'll work. Amen. It will work. And one day they went out with a high hand rejoicing. And then they came to the Red Sea. And Moses said, what do we do? And he knew, I've got to hear from God. And God spoke to him. And and so he stretched out the rod and the Red Sea rolled back. And and, and then they went through the sea and the Egyptians were destroyed. And then, then they had no water. And in the middle of the desert, three and a half to five million people and their animals and no water. And what do we do? And, And the Lord spoke to him and and there was water, and, and then there was no food. And, and Lord, what do we do? And the Lord provided food. And uh, day by day, year by year, for 40 years there in the wilderness, God gave them direction. God led them. And then it was time to come into the promised land, and, and the Lord told Joshua, I want you to lead them across into the promised land. But there was a problem. There's a river that is flooded and what do I do and he and the Lord said okay here's what you do you have the priest go out front they never did that the priest with the ark never led the way when they marched they were in the middle of the camp if you'll study it they were always in the middle they never led the way except that one time he said put them out front and everybody go back a ways and march them and when their feet touch the river that is at flood stage overflowing its bank, then the water will go back and they can walk and they'll stand in the middle of that, what had been the river and the people will cross over and then they'll go on and then the water will go back together. Boy, is that a crazy idea or what? How would you like to be one of the priests, especially the priests in front carrying the ark? I think we better go back to the library. I think we better get on the net and find a better way this doesn't seem like a too good plan to me but it was God's way it was God's plan to the mind of man it made no sense whatsoever that somebody would march toward a flooded river and step put their feet out and and come down and expect when their feet touch the water it's going to roll back and the people walk across on dry land I'm going to tell you God doesn't think like we think God's ways are not like our ways But if we're going to have victory, we got to learn to hear from God and do it God's way. We got to get God's thoughts. We can try to do it by man's way and we can build things by man's way. I mentioned man's built great societies, great religions. You can go to Athens, Greece and find the remnants of some of the the greatest thinkers and greatest builders that men have ever produced. There are men today across the land that, that they, because there were some individuals thought, well, if we can take the gospel and kind of meld it together with some of the great thinkers, Plato and Aristotle, and their concepts about the nature of God, we can bring that in and, 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 and meld that together and we can be more effective. What they did is they led the people out of the glory of God and into the dark ages. 
I'm telling you, when, when we reject the word of God and God's ways and try to meld it together with God's way or man's ways, what we do is lead people out of the glory of God and right into darkness. Amen. Into confusion. Amen. Amen. That's why the, the, the doctrine that most of the, of the so-called Christian world embraces concerning the nature of God today did not come out of the Bible. You cannot find it in the Bible. No Bible preacher ever talked about it. No believer in the one true God ever believed that in the Bible or talked about it at all. You'll never find a preacher or a, a, a prophet or one of the great men of God in the Bible talking about God being two or three persons. That's not in the Bible. It talks about the glory of His person. One person. The only time the word person is ever used about God, it's one. The Bible says He's the Holy One. In fact, that was Isaiah's favorite name for God. The Holy One. He's never called the Holy Two or the Holy Three. He's only called the Holy One. Amen. And yet, a concept that was adopted by Plato and then and, and continued by Aristotle. Men that called themselves Christian philosophers brought in to so-called Christianity and some wanted to adopt and put this together so we can fit more with our culture. Oh, friend, if we're worried about fitting with our culture and being accepted by the world. Jesus said, if you'll follow me, I'm going to tell you, the world's going to think you're crazy. They're going to lie about you and say all kind of crazy things about you because they did that with me. He said, if they love you, that's a sign you don't belong to me. You belong to them because they will love their own. And so if they love you, it's because you're not mine. But he said, if you're mine, they'll hate you. We're living in a day when many, even among us, no longer want to be despised or hated. They want to be accepted and embraced by the world. The only way you can do that is to become part of the world. And when you become part of the world, you no longer belong to him. Oh, friend, I know where this world and all that it embraces and holds is headed. I don't want to go there. I want to be one of those he embraced and he accepts. I want to be his. Praise God. It don't matter what the world says and the world thinks. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Joshua was out there, and he went out to be alone. And he saw a huge being with a drawn sword. And he said, are you for us or for them, for our enemies? A preacher pointed this out to me recently, and I had to laugh. It's so funny. The angel said, nay. He said, are you for us or for our enemies? He said, no. His answer was no. He said, but as the captain of the Lord's host have I come. You're the, you think you're in charge, Joshua. You think you've got to figure this all out. But you don't understand. You are not the one that's supposed to be in charge. There's somebody else supposed to be in charge of this operation. And if you'll yield to him and let him direct, there's victory ahead. And what the angel was saying, no, I didn't come to take sides. I came to take charge. Oh, friend, I want him to take charge. I want him to take charge. Praise God. Amen. And so the angel said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go out and get all the people together. The little kids, the mamas nursing babies, 
granny. And you're going to march around that city one time and then come back to camp take the rest of the day off. Next day you're going to get up and do the same thing and nobody's allowed to say a word. And all you can, the only thing going on is you're going to have priests blowing the trumpet and aside from that, nothing. Not a word. Six days, that's what you're going to do. On the seventh day, you're going to get up early and you're going to start marching. And you're going to go around that huge city seven times. It was not a small place. It was very huge. But you're going to march around it seven times. Nobody says a word. Nobody stops to go get a drink of water. Nobody gets a potty break. All day long, you're going to be marching. And when you get done with that, everybody's going to scream their head off and the trumpet's going to blow a great sound and the walls will fall down flat. Yeah, right, that really sounds logical. Try to sell that one as a battle plan to the Pentagon. But they did it. They heard from God. They did what he said, and it worked just like he said it would. You see, man's ways are not God's ways. God never does it man's way. Amen. Amen. Something that has grieved me. I'm going to tell you, since I was a little kid, Brother Murphy, you know this is true. Since I was a little kid, I've been hearing people say, the church is losing its holiness. They're all going the way of the world. I've heard it since I was a child. But I read in the book that about the good shepherd that he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. His name is involved in this. And if I let him be my shepherd, he's not going to lead me away from righteousness. He's going to lead his church in paths of righteousness. And he said he's going to present a church to himself without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing without blemish without spot or wrinkle holy before him in love oh friend I'm not afraid of the church losing his holiness that ain't going to happen because he's going to have a church that's going to have his nature that understands I'm not my own I belong to him I'm not out to glorify myself but I want him to be glorified in my body and in my spirit but I'm going to tell you there is one thing that concerns me in our day it's a dangerous thing I believe is we have gotten, now I, I buy more books and I have probably more books than any other preacher I know on leadership and all of those things and I've read, read those and studied them and I've gone to university for business and management and all of that and, uh, and I understand all of that. But, uh, you know, I've learned God's ways are not man's ways and God's thoughts are not man's thoughts. I've been in sessions, I've been in sessions where we're having a session about church growth. And the Bible hardly mentioned. Hardly even is the Bible even mentioned or just mentioned in passing. It's not exposition of what God's word says about church growth. It's all about what this guy or that guy or this religious leader or this guy. Amen. And something that the Lord was talking to me about this morning. And I, I never thought I would say anything about this, but I felt, you know, we've come to the point where there are some among us that what they have done is bring in people who are, if I understand the word of God right, 
to become part of the kingdom of God, you have to be born again of the water and the spirit. And yet we sometimes bring in people who are not even part of the kingdom of God because they preach and teach against the new birth message. They'll tell you, you do not need to be born of the water. You just say, I believe and you're already saved. Amen. They do not believe what the apostles preach, that repent, be baptized in Jesus' name and be filled with the Holy Ghost. But we bring them in to teach us about how to, how to live the Christian life and how to, how to perform in Christian service. And they're not even part, how to, how to live the kingdom life and how to perform in kingdom service, and they're not even part of the kingdom. But they're going to tell us how to do those things. But what we don't understand is when you, we bring those guys in, they bring spirits with them. And that's why some of our young men today, I've been shocked, young men that are sons of some of our great ministers are questioning some of these cardinal principles that, that these men that were full of the Holy Ghost saw in the Word of God and preached and the anointing of God was on them and there was mighty power and it shook whole cities and there was great revival. And we say we want revival. So instead of studying those who were used in bringing Holy Ghost apostolic revival in the past, we study these present day modern wonders who are not even part of the kingdom and all their ideas about how to build the kingdom and not even part of the kingdom. I'm going to tell you, when we start going man's way and man's thoughts rather than God's ways and God's thoughts, we're in trouble. Because God is going to have a people and he is going to be the head of a body. He will be the head. There will be a body and he will be the head. Amen. And that head is going to get the, you know, my hand, my hand does not become something to be honored because it is so smart. It has so much talent and ability. My hand is really only a good hand if it receives messages from the head and does what the head tells it and does it well. And the better it receives the messages and does what the head tells it to do, the better hand it is. Now, if it has its own mind and it's doing its own things and not getting the messages from the head, we call that spastic motion. That's never beneficial. It's never profitable. It's only profitable when the hand hears from the head and does what the head says and does it exactly like the, the head wants it done. Amen. I'm going to tell you the church only has one head. It only has one head. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head. And we're only going to be effective as we hear what the head says. That's also true in our homes. I remember my pastor saying when I was young and wasn't married yet, he said, a man that walks in the house and says, I'm head of this home, he isn't or he wouldn't have to be announcing. He's trying to convince himself of something he knows is not true. Amen. But do you know, I don't want to be head of my home. The Bible says that the head of every woman is the man, but we leave out that other part. The head of the man is Christ. I don't want to be head of my home. I want Jesus to be head of my home. If Jesus, if Christ is the head of my home, it's going to be a good place for all of us to live. But if I kick him out and I try to take over, Lord, have mercy on those poor people that are trying to follow.
my poor kids and wife, if they're trying to follow me and I'm trying to be the big daddy that's running things, Lord, have mercy on them. But if we can have Christ be the head and we can hear what he would have us to do, it's going to be a wonderful place for everybody in that family to live, including me. Amen. Friend, we have got to understand. You know, Jesus said in, in Matthew 4, 4, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, in the New Testament, there are two words translated word. One is logos, the other is rhema. Logos is everything God ever said. Brother Murphy, you remember a song, Sister Murphy, a song, of course, we used to sing when, when I was young. I know we sang it. I'd, I'd sing it at the top of my lungs. I loved that chorus until a Louisiana preacher told me one day, that song's a lie. Boy, he shocked me. I kind of got a little upset. He said, that song's a lie. And it was a great man of God. I knew that. It was that chorus, every promise in, don't say amen because it's not true. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. He said, if that's true, you better get busy building your ark because I can show you a promise in the book of a flood and a promise in the book that the only way out of that is to build an ark. And if every promise is yours, then that promise would be yours, so you better get busy. But that promise is not mine. That's not yours. Are you glad that's not your promise? I'm thankful that's not my promise. Oh, my. But that was Noah's promise. It's not mine. That was Noah's. But I can read that Noah heard from God in his day. God spoke to him about where he was and what was happening. He heard from God directly. And then he did what God said, and it worked. And that inspires me to know that if Noah could hear from God, I can hear from God. God would speak to Noah. He'll speak to me. Amen. There's, we're living a crazy time. That There's even ministers among us. If you say God spoke to me, they look at you like you're weird. Show me anybody in the Bible that knew God that God didn't speak to. Was there anybody in the Bible that walked with God that never heard the voice of God? I don't think you can find one. And Jesus said, my sheep, know my voice they don't know that other voice they won't follow some other voice because they don't know that voice but they know my voice that's the greatest protection you and I can ever have is to get to where we know his voice then when somebody preaches something that's off and you don't feel God in it you don't hear the voice of God in it they may sound ever so good but you know God's not in it and you won't follow it People that don't know his voice. Somebody comes along with ability and begins to say something to the human ear. It sounds so good. Amen. Oh, friend, I don't want to be let off. There have been those that have been let off by the siren song of some preacher's message that sounded so cute. Little, little ideas, little things they say that sound so nice, even though it contradicts the word of God. Oh, friend, I don't want to be there. I want to know his voice. He said, my sheep won't follow some other voice. They don't know that voice, but they know my voice. They know my voice. I want to, if I don't know his voice, am I one of his sheep? Amen. In Romans 8, it says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
In Japanese it says, as many as are led by God's Holy Spirit, that's who God's real children are. If I don't, if I'm not led by His Spirit in my daily life, am I one of His children? Not according to that scripture. We have got to know His voice. We've got to know the leading of the Spirit. We have got to, you know, the Bible tells us He wants us to walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, be full of the Spirit, and be led by the Spirit. That's to be our daily life. Not just get in the Spirit sometimes on a special service, but every day of our life to be filled with the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live in the Spirit, be in the place where He can hear us. But when Jesus quoted, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God, he, he was not using the word logos, which means everything God ever said. Everything God ever said, that's the word of uh, the logos. But rhema is the word that is coming out of God's mouth right now. How many of you have noticed that when God speaks to you, that every time he speaks to you, he doesn't quote the whole Bible each time? Anyone here that God's... Every time he speaks to you, he quotes the whole Bible every time. That'd be kind of rough, wouldn't it? You'd be there quite a while every time God speaks to you. But when he speaks to you, he will quicken a certain portion of Scripture. He'll talk to your heart or burn your heart with a certain portion of his word. He'll stir your heart about a certain area in your life that needs some attention, some correction. And he'll deal with you from his word. Sometimes he'll, he'll use a, a song or use other things, but... Most of the time, if he doesn't use a word, it will always confirm or be in agreement with his written word. But Ramah is what God's saying right now. You know, when Noah heard to build an ark, that was Ramah. That wasn't just Logos, that was Ramah. When Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every Ramah that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He will live if he's hearing what God's saying to him right now. Amen. We cannot live and be transformed into the likeness of Christ without hearing what God's speaking to our hearts and responding in faith and obedience to what God's speaking to our hearts. Amen. That's the only way that we can really live and, and receive what God's wanting to do in our lives and be transformed by his power. When he quoted that scripture, he was quoting from Deuteronomy. The Lord told used Mo, uh, Moses... He spoke to the people the last time he spoke to them, and he said, the Lord said, you remember when I led you out there and there was no water and you were thirsty and the kids were crying and the animals were making a racket and you were in the middle of the desert and there was no water and you didn't know what you were going to do? I did not take a wrong turn. I did not get lost. I led you out there on purpose. He said, you remember when there was no food? And you were thinking, what are we going to do? Where are we going to get food for all these people? We don't, we, we don't even have enough to get back. We, we're going to die. There's no place to get food out here in the desert. And you, and you sought my face and I provided. He said, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't like a guy that's so arrogant. He leads, you know, he's driving, driving, driving and won't stop and ask directions, even though he's lost. He said, I, I was doing it on purpose. I knew exactly what I was doing. I was leading you out there on purpose. Because I wanted you to get in a place where you had no way out, except you had to hear from God. I wanted you to learn you can hear from God. He'll speak to you. He'll answer the cry of your heart. He'll give you direction if you'll open your heart to him. And I wanted you to understand that if you're going to live, 
You have to hear from God. If you're going to live, you've got to have a walk with God. You've got to be in a place where God can speak to your heart. He said, I wanted you to understand that. The man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's the verse that Jesus quoted. Amen. That was the verse that Jesus quoted. I want to mention one final thing. Well, I was going to, but I, I really feel like we need to just go ahead and stand. If you would stand together. Amen. Every one of us, every one of us are headed for an eternal destination. I'm going to ask today if you, if you wouldn't mind. There's something wonderful about us, a family of God, coming and just standing around the front together and praying together for a moment. I'm going to ask if you wouldn't mind if we could all just gather in just right around the front here just for a moment. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Friend, you're either going to be saved or you're going to be lost. And not just, not only that, but in this life, your life has the potential to be tremendously effective. Your life has the potential to be a life that's really worth something. Or you have the potential, as many others that have gone before us, to have a life that ends up something that you look back with great regret and great sorrow and wish you had done differently. Amen. But I can tell you, if you'll walk with God, if you'll let the Spirit of God lead in your life, if you'll obey God, if you'll believe Him. You know, the Bible says Abraham believed God and God counted for righteousness. What people leave out is just before that, God spoke to Abram. God spoke to him. And when God finished speaking to him, the Bible says Abram believed God. He believed what God said. And God said, that's a righteous man. That's a righteous man. If you and I will believe what God's word says, if we'll put our confidence and trust and hope in the Lord, amen, we can be a righteous individual in the sight of God today as well. If we look at the word of God and say, I don't think so, we look at the word of God and say, I don't believe that's necessary. We look at the word of God and say, I don't, I don't think that's important anymore. Friend, we're only kidding ourselves. We're going to be like those people the Lord spoke to in Isaiah. He said, you work so hard and you end up so hungry and so empty. And you, you're trying so hard and your life is coming up empty. And it's not, you're not finding what you're looking for. He says, hear, hear, hear my voice. Hear me and you'll live. Hear and your soul will live. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul will live. I believe God wants to speak to every one of us. I believe the Lord would like to come by where you're at today. In fact, I just feel that kind of flow of the Spirit. The Lord would like to come by and just put his arm around you and say, if you'll let me, I'll lead and guide your life. And your life will be something to look back on and be thankful for. If you'll let me, I'll give you direction. If you'll let me, I'll speak my promises, my truths into your heart and your mind. If you'll let me, I'll, I'll work in your life in a way that when you look back, all you can do is say, thank you, Lord, for your mercy to me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you had mercy on me. I didn't deserve it. But oh, what you've done in my life. Praise God. Could we all pray? And if you're near someone and just feel like you'd like to reach over and pray with them also. There's, there's not one person here that wants anyone here to be lost. More than anything, you want them to be saved. More than anything, you want them to know God. You want the will of God to be done in their life. You don't want them to miss the will of God. You don't want their life to be something else. 
but you want their life to be all that God meant it to be. God cares about you today. He loves you. He's wanting to just come put his arm around you. Say, if you'll just put your trust in me, your confidence in me, let me, I'll lead you. If you've never repented of your sins, if you'll turn your heart to the Lord today and say, Lord, you know what I am and I know what I am, but I don't want to keep being this. I really want to give my heart to you. I want to walk with you. I want you to have your way in my life. Lord, if you'll just forgive me. Friend, that's what the cross is about. That's what the cross is about. He already paid the price for your sins. If you'll ask him, he will forgive you. Because he was buried for you. You can be buried with him in baptism and be washed clean clean, and all that you've ever done washed away. All the wickedness, all the evil as you're buried with Christ in baptism. And then just like Jesus came out of the grave, triumphant over death, hell, and the grave, he'll bring you out of your grave when he fills you with the Holy Ghost and puts his power in you. And he begins to lead and guide in your life in a way you've never experienced before. Praise God. Let's pray together. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.